Three shots, four par, I just do two, one putt, puff four, birdie, woohoo, new driver, info, replace, M2, puff five, fairway, what you fin do? Think I'll try to get on into, start right, good line, good view, Andrew, shoot him, make Gavin, two thumbs up. podcast presented by WaveGolfCompany.com, WaveGolfCompany.com. Head over, um, check it out. Really, uh, really cool stuff. And Bryce and I are wearing the hats. If you're checking us out over on YouTube, Bryce looks pretty, uh, pretty slick. Look all right, man. Yeah, I just okay. uh, <laughs> just shave the other day. So yeah, used, you you want to do it? You want to do it right away? You want to redeem yourself right away? Yeah, I actually use my uh, lawnmower four four brought to you by Manscaped. Uh, uh, feel free to go down in the description. Use our uh, discount code for twenty percent off and free shipping. Uh, not only the lawnmower, they also have a bunch of great products. They have the ball deodorant, which is another good one. And the ball toner, keep them nice and toned. So I like it. I like it, man. I got the nose trimmer as well, and uh, yeah, it's been good. It's uh, they've been some pretty good. Pro- uh, well, obviously, look at my face, man. Obviously, if you're watching us yeah. on YouTube, you know I gotta clean this thing up every now and then. <laughs> Manscaped.com, OTS Golf, twenty uh, percent off plus free shipping. Okay, let's get into it. So we have a really cool chat coming up with uh, Jason Logan. So he is the editor of Score Golf Magazine. So. You know, if you're up north of the border here, it is a uh, prominent magazine. We all look forward to the course rankings that come out each year. And um, we've had Anthony, my buddy Anthony Spagnoli on the past, who's played all the top 100 courses in Canada. He's one of only three or four people to do that. He was the first guy to do it, which is insane. Yeah, think just about a play- crazy, crazy <laughs> thing to say. Eh? Think, like, think uh, about playing like a like, hundred different courses, let alone yeah, the, the top, top one hundred. In yeah. I think he did the 2018 and 2020 list. There was only a couple differences, so um, yeah, it's just an insane list. Um, and to be able to say that you've done that is is absolutely incredible. So um, yeah, Jason Logan Score Golf. Um, he's been around for twenty years in the industry. We talked a little bit about Canadian golf. Uh, you know the canadian open who we had uh we had cal uh callum on a, a couple weeks ago now we had him come mm-hmm. on and we talked about it because he's going to be playing in it so um really looking forward to getting that back and just a couple stories you know really cool stories about some of the things he's encountered along the way he's been around seen the game a long time was hired by bob weeks uh past guest um so that's pretty cool and uh yeah the top 100 list is kind of like i don't know if it's like polarizing you know but it, it kind of like really grabs a lot of people's attention each year when it comes out. So I think I, I was like really interested in how all of the Raiders kind of, well, a get their position to become a Raider or a course Raider or ranker, um, you know, a panelist, whatever you want to call it. And then the things that they need to go through to do that as well. And uh, to like any of the criteria to rank the courses, I think that that was really important. So we get into all of that, We'll timestamp it down below. Um, but Bryce and I wanted to quickly hop on talking about like the top 100 courses in Canada or just traveling in general. We wanted to talk about some of the, you know, places we've gone to to golf. Um, just a quick like idea of some of our favorite places to to go play. So I know Bryce, uh, you want to jump in? I know you had a little trip last year. Yeah. So uh, me and my fiance went down to Florida, uh, just the two of us went down for a week and 
Um, she doesn't usually like to be dragged around the golf course, but she, she came out with me. We went to the, uh, Disney Palms course. Um, those Disney courses are awesome, by the way. Like if you ever get a chance to play them, I highly recommend them. Um, but I just love playing golf in Florida because it's so different than here in Michigan and back at home in Ontario, just because the grass is so different. The turf interaction when you're playing, it's just a whole new ball game. And it, it kind of takes a couple holes to get used to if you haven't done it before, but um but yeah i just the warm weather and and uh the wildlife down there is so different and it's uh it's fun playing out there better wedge player down there or worse wedge player down um there? first couple holes i struggled i duffed a couple just because that grass yeah kind of like it kind of like balls up right it bunches up yeah, under. yeah 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 but um i kind of got used to it um i played pretty well actually i fired a 75 and it was my first round of the year so um, i did uh i posted one of your reels with you like absolutely gassing a drive like 342 or something like that so it was uh yeah it was pretty good um i think the ball actually flies a little farther because like the heat yeah definitely you know, like humidity levels and stuff but yeah. um you rolled a couple nice pots too like you you played pretty well man so yeah, that's think, not my game either. So like, those yeah. greens are pretty nice to me. I uh, I didn't travel a whole ton last year, um, but I have been down east. Uh, I got rained out most of the trip, but I did play a really nice little track called Chester uh, Golf and Country Club right on the uh, ocean. It's about like 45 minutes southeast of Halifax, downtown Halifax. And then we went up the Cabot Trail, got rained out, went into PEI, got rained out. So... I was near some really nice courses and didn't get to play much. I was with Carly, so uh, my wife Carly. Mm-hmm. And then um, last year we played Deerhurst, which was really good. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. you know, a couple hours north or whatever. Um, yep. And, you know, part of the reason that sparked this is as this episode is out, I will be uh, in Victoria. So I'm going to be playing Bear Mountain, Highland Pacific, a couple nice cl- courses. So I've never been out west, so I'm going, you know, as far west as I possibly can, which is cool. Um hoping to get on victoria i don't know if that's going to happen but i think uh yeah i'm looking forward to it i think it'll be really cool playing uh with our good pal lucas noni he's been on the podcast in the past um pga tour canada player and yeah so i'm looking to get absolutely dusted by him quite a few times and Mm -hmm. um i think it'll be a good time hopefully uh link up with kylie she's been on the pod on the pod in the past as well play around with her if possible but uh just playing golf right now. If you're from this area, if you're from the greater Toronto area, you know, you can't play golf here yeah. outside. So, um, I think it'll be cool, but, um, yeah, if you, uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you're over on YouTube or anything, send us a DM, send us, uh, you know, go over to, to at OTS golf over on Instagram. Let us know where we can, you know, travel, play some golf. I definitely, uh, as things are kind of reopening in our society, I definitely want to get out and play a little bit more this year. So if you have any courses that you really like, please let us know, uh, Bryce or as well. We'll be meeting up to play some golf this year, Bryce, which would be pretty yep. good. Especially, uh, Especially if there's any listeners in Michigan, let me drop it in the comments. I'd love to f- find some new courses out here. Uh, I haven't been here for that long, so I'm still kind of trying to find those hidden gems. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So if you're on YouTube, just go ahead, drop them below. We'll pick them up or uh, yeah, go over to uh, go over to at on the screws podcast or at OTS golf uh, over on YouTube or over on Instagram. Sorry. And uh, yeah, drop them there, but let's get in the chat with, uh, with Jason Logan from score golf. Really, really cool guy knows a lot about the game, um, you know, in Canada. So pretty, pretty fascinating uh, chat. Thanks for staying with us before we go. Thanks to our Patreons, uh, Brian, Carly, Matt. um, And, you know, again, if you have any questions about how we run our Patreon program, feel free to send us a DM. It's uh, we don't take anything from it. Anything that you 
send to us, um, you know, support us with, we give that back to you in, you know, a connection with somebody like wave golf, pioneer golf, goat track, something like that. One of the podcasts or, uh, groups that have been on the podcast in the past and, uh, kind of like the local brands and stuff. We're going to send you some, uh, some products from them, but, uh, let's get into it. Jason Logan score golf. All right. Welcoming to the pod, um, on the screws podcast, Jason Logan, editor of score golf magazine, Jason, how are you doing, man? Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm good. How are you doing? Good, good. Just sharing some uh, some stories about Oshawa and stuff, and uh, yeah, kind of Durham region. Yeah, Durham region area, and uh, kind of growing up in the the score golf era. So maybe you can uh, we can jump right into it. You can tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of how long you've been with score golf. I know it's been uh, some time now, and and uh, kind of take me down through my uh, I don't know my past uh, childhood and uh, throwing it on on the weekends to watch Bob Weeks. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I started with Score Golf in 2003 uh, as an assistant editor. I got hired by Mr. Weeks. Um, it was my first job that I got out of journalism school, uh, although I was out of journalism school for over a year before I got the job. Um, I was just doing like the bartending and waitering thing. I had my journalism degree from Carleton University, you know, graduated in 2001. Um, kind of gave myself that summer just to relax and, you know, make a bunch of money doing the waitering and bartending and have some fun and trying to get a job that fall. And then 9-11 happened and it became really, you know, an unstable workplace work um, place. And I just, you know, I couldn't find a job and eventually just serendipitously sent Bob an email and told him who I was. And I'd been playing golf since I was like six years old and I had a journalism degree and I'd worked at a golf course and, you know, I'd love to get my foot in the door. And, you know, he invited me down for a chat, you know, said, I don't have any jobs, but you can come in and you can have a chat with me and maybe I can point you in the right direction. And as I found out later, they actually were starting to contemplate hiring somebody. And my email just happened to arrive at a very uh, good time for me. And, and so he invited me back down for another interview and um, got the job as assistant editor in 2003. And uh, I have not moved on. So I'm still here um, almost 20 years later, obviously kind of climbed the ladder, assistant editor, managing editor, eventually became editor. Weeks he left for TSN and I took over all of the content for the magazine and the website and the TV show that we used to have. And so it's been a good long run. Yeah. Like I mentioned, that TV show was kind of like a staple in my weekends when I was, uh, when I was a young guy, when I was playing golf and stuff. So it was, it was kind of always golf free though, Jason, like you were always interested in golf. I started playing golf when I was, like I said, around five or six. Um, my earliest memories of playing golf were at Summer League Golf Club, which is a par three course that you might know up near uh, my hometown of Blackstock, Ontario, outside Port Perry, Ontario. And, uh, you know, I would go there with a sawed off three iron and an eight iron that was too long for me and a putter and um, just walk around with my dad or my brother, or my uncle when he would come to visit. And, um, just, I don't know. It's just always was a golfer, just go out in the yard and swing the golf club constantly. You know, golf was on the television every single weekend, vivid memories of watching Jack Nicholas lose the Canadian open to Greg Norman and being so heartbroken as a little kid, even though I didn't even really know who Jack Nicholas was. I just knew my dad was cheering for him. Um, and so, yeah, just played golf my whole childhood. Um, actually kind of quit golf in high school for, uh, almost all of high school, really. I just kind of, I don't know, fell out of love with the game and, you know, got to an age where all of a sudden mom and dad weren't paying for my rounds and 
<laughs> there was other things <laughs> to spend money on. And I, you know, I remember it's funny. We, uh, some buddies and I, we did this like summer long, almost a decathlon two person teams. And we have, you know, two on two basketball tournament and bocce ball and this game called pool baseball. And it all culminated before we went back to school with golf. And it was like my first time going back to the golf course in two or three years playing up that mill run. And, um, just remember getting out there and thinking like, I can't believe I quit this game for three years because I just love it. It's just amazing to be back out there. Um, so then uh, the summer after high school, I got a job at uh, Mill Run Golf and Country Club over near Uxbridge for a couple summers and uh, played golf a little bit up at school at Carleton. And yeah, I haven't put the clubs away since that hiatus in high school. Yeah, I had a little hiatus as well after high school. Like I played in high school a little bit and then, you know, you go on, I did some trades and stuff like that. Kind of like stepped away from the game, got into like weightlifting and stuff, which is not conducive with golf at all. I have no, no idea why I bothered no. doing that. But man, I remember Summerly. Funny enough, I actually played there this summer for the first time in maybe 20 years. I'm not that yeah, old of a guy, yeah. but a good 18 years. Um with a couple of guys from work, one of the guys got hit with a ball. So I'll never forget oh, that. No. But yeah. It was, uh, one of the guys I work with, uh, a Scottish guy and he, he just, he was okay. Luckily he was okay. But, um, I remember around a golf at Summerlee where I was playing with my brother when I was younger and I almost had two hole in ones and he had a near hole in one as well, all in the same round, oh, yeah. um, all within like a couple inches of the cup or, or, you know, but it's a, it's a cool little track to learn on. You can go there. Like you said, a three iron, if you're young and eight iron, and, yeah. you know, pitching wedge or something in a putter and you can kind of walk around, have a good time and just, uh, it, it's a pretty cool course. Um, yeah, I loved it. I mean, we, I grew up there and, you know, had some good memories, have a bad memory. I actually broke my arm at summer <laughs> when, when my buddy, uh, my buddy and I were out playing at dusk and his sister worked at the golf course at the time. She just got her learner's permit. She came out to the golf course to pick us up because his mom was there and the sprinklers were on. It was dusk. She tried to do a little joy ride and she tried to make this 180 degree turn like around a tree that was on a hill and the cart flipped and my buddy got thrown like 40 yards down the hill and the cart flipped on my arm and it was pinned under it. I broke both bones in my arm. I just remember walking back to the clubhouse. It was the farthest point from the clubhouse too. just walking back to the clubhouse, holding my arm and his sister say maybe it's just sprained and i'm like no it's definitely <laughs> broken I, it's just killing me right now do you remember what month you it was it was probably like april to like start of the golf no, season it was, no i remember it was i remember specifically it was august 13th i don't know why i remember that day but it was august 13th and the reason why i remember i guess i remember because it, it meant i couldn't play hockey until january and i was mostly mm-hmm. devastated about that and uh I, I remember the funny part is i remember my dad going in and we weren't going to do anything with the golf course, with the old ownership at the time, because it was, you know, a family friend who was working there and it was just an accident. But I remember the old owner of the golf course saying, we'll give him a free membership for the rest of the year. <laughs> like, what good is that going to do? I'm going <laughs> to cast up to my elbow for the rest of the, or up to my shoulder for the rest of the golf season. So thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. It might not, uh, might not work out too good for you at that point. No. But uh, with some of the courses you play, Jason, like, obviously I want to get into the list. Everybody loves the top 100 list, the top 59 public list and stuff. I would love to chat about that, but are there a couple, uh, have you got out to play a lot of these courses yet? Well, yeah, I mean, not as many as a lot of the guys on the panel. Um, I've, I think at last count, the last top hundred, I think I had played maybe around 60 or maybe not that many. Can't remember exactly, but I mean, 
I've, I've certainly played most of the top courses in the country. I mean, I've played just about everything there is to play around this, around Toronto in the Southern Ontario area. Um, you know, I've been out to Cabot Highlands links. Um, I've been out West and played the likes of Capilano and Victoria golf club. Uh, I've been to Alberta to play Banff and Jasper. Um, I mean, there's still certain courses in the top, the upper echelon on the list that I haven't seen that I would really like to see, but, right. um, it's less important that I see those courses than it is for the panelists to see the courses. I'm not on the panel. We've never had anybody who's employed at score golf beyond the panel. It's just a rule we've always had. Um, but yeah, like I, you know, it's sometimes it's hard for me to travel during the summer because I'm really busy and I have two young kids and it's hard to get away, but, um, I'd like to start making a point of getting out to see a few more courses that I haven't seen. I want to really see Mickelson national. I want to see sagebrush. Um, Blackhawk is a course I've always wanted to see. So there's there's some that are definitely still on my bucket list that I hope to knock off over the next couple of years. Yeah, Sagebrush and uh, Blackhawk they they both come up when I whenever we're talking golf courses. It seems that those two pop up. So I mentioned I'm I'm going out west here in a little bit. Um, well, this podcast airs. I think I'll actually be out there at the time. So hoping to uh, to play a little bit of Bear Mountain and uh, you know see if I can find a way onto some of the other courses out there. Um, so you're you're not actually on the panel yourself. So can no. you kind of explain like how somebody who or how you would select them, kind of what the criteria is like to select a panelist? And how many do you have? How many do you have on uh, like under the score? Uh, we have around we have right around 100. I'm just actually going through a bit of a review okay. process right now. I usually do that um, at this time of year. Check in to see with some guys to see. um if they want to continue on, um, you know, I'll do an audit of everybody's activity. And if I see somebody who I don't think is pulling his or her weight, I'll have a conversation with them about, you know, maybe it's time for you to move on, especially if they've been on the panel for a long time, because it's not, you know, it's obviously it's a cushy gig and, um, you know, a lot of people would like to be on the panel, but I mean, some of the lengths that these guys and gals go to to play courses around the country i mean you've talked to anthony and there's other panelists as well i mean these guys are spending thousands of dollars right going away you know weeks at a time like not everybody is in the position to do that i certainly couldn't do that at this stage of my life so um as far as uh, putting people on the panel i have a, a thorough application process that somebody has to fill out and um they'll send me that application and i'll discuss their application with a few of my longtime panelists and um, we'll make a decision. Yes or no. Um, you know, I'm really trying to get more diversity on our panel. I've I'm adding a few more women to the panel this year. I'm always looking for people in provinces where we're not as represented as well as we should be um, Atlanta, Canada, the prairies. Um, but you know what? It's difficult to find somebody who, um, already has access to a lot of courses without score golf's help. And that's kind of what I'm looking for. I don't right. want somebody who says, you know, I love the top 100. I'd love to see all the courses. I played seven of them, but you know, with your help, I, I could play more. And that's not really what I'm after. I'm after somebody who can come to me and say like, I don't need your help to get on courses. I have all kinds of connections. I know my way around private clubs. I can do it, but I'm really interested in golf course architecture. And I'd like to be part of the process. And that's sort of most important for me is, um, getting somebody who kind of already has those ins rather than relying on score golf's help. Right. I got a couple of questions for you kind of related to that. Is there a certain amount of 
courses that you would suggest a raider um, or a panelist play um, like each year? Like, is there kind of a number you're trying to get, like, you know, 10, 15, whatever it is, so they can um, kind of collect the the ratings for you? And is it, um, are you able to kind of, it's not just architecturally based or or is it? Like, is, is there a certain criteria that each of these, uh, you know, men and women are trying to follow so they can all kind of rate the same way? Yeah, I'll answer the second question first. So there's sure. definitely criteria and it is definitely all architecture based, um, which I think is a misconception when it comes to our top 100, because I think a lot of people view the top 100 list as a ranking of golf clubs, but it's a ranking of golf courses. And there's a difference between the two. You know, we don't have any spots on our evaluation form for somebody to rank how good the clubhouse is, how good the practice facilities are, you know, what the service is like, what the ambience is like, what the history of the club is like, none of that stuff. Other rankings do, which is fine. That's just not the way we do it. Um, our ranking is solely based on the golf course. Um, and as I always say to our panelists, your ranking should be based on what you experience between the first tee and the 18th green. So they're ranking courses on uh, challenge, design, strategy, beauty, par three holes, par four holes, par five holes, conditioning, and fun factor. And fun factor actually carries the biggest weighting. It's 20% of a course's mark. Um, which again, differentiates us from some other lists. Um, a golf digest, for example, puts a, a high degree on shot making and the challenge of the golf course. Um, we're inclined to think that the golf course is better if it's fun to play and you'd want to play it again right after finishing up. Well, yeah, yeah. I know like for me, it's, um, whenever the list comes out, like, you know, we want to go on, we want to check it out. You guys do a great job. Um, on like the score, like I follow the Instagram account. So that's the easiest way to kind of get access to it. Like I follow the top 59. I played quite a few uh, public courses. So I played quite a few this summer, which was great. And, um, you know, I kind of want to have a look at that list and then it, it sort of helps you navigate some of the courses you might want to check out. Right. So the idea is to give people like a better understanding of kind of how the, uh, the rankings work and, and the list. So knowing that it's a fun factor and knowing that you're going to go out there, like golf can be a lot of fun. It can also be pretty difficult as yeah. you know, at times, but, but yeah, knowing that that's a heavily weighted point, I think a lot of people would appreciate that too. Right. Cause it's going to give people, um, you know, a better experience at the course in general. Right. Some people might not necessarily have you know, much interest in the clubhouse or practice facilities or whatever it may be right. where the course is kind of, uh, you know, paramount in that sense. So, um, if yeah. we can, if we can loop back, so the, the panelists themselves, are you trying to get them to play, um, like a certain amount throughout the year? Yeah. Sorry. I missed that. I missed no, that's okay. To answer that question. Um, so the, so the requirement is 10 per year and, I, and it doesn't mean that they have to play 10 top 100 courses. In fact, it just means that they have to play and rate 10 courses period, because, you know, another thing that I tell them is I don't want you just going and rating courses that are already on the top 100 or courses that are just outside the top 100. As, as you know, we also have the top 59 public ranking. So really, I'm asking them to rate anything and everything that they play, whether it's a course that they know in a million years is not going to get on either one of those lists. You know, I want them to rate it anyways. Um, you know, two reasons. I just, you know, you never know when you're going to come up on something that all of a sudden you think deserves merit for one of those lists, you might get surprised. So you should always be going in with a ranker's mind. And then secondly, I mean, we do have courses that inquire and saying like, where are we at? Like, have we, how many people have rated our courses? And it's be nice to be able to tell them the minimum requirement for a course to be eligible on the list is 10. Um, you know, I can tell you, you've had six, 
you know, so try and get some more guys out there to see your right. course. Right. So, um, I do ask them to 10. I mean, the last couple of years have been tough, obviously with COVID, you know, guys haven't been able to travel as much guys haven't been able to access private clubs as much. I'm hoping we've turned the corner on COVID, um, when it comes to golf and also obviously courses are, are busier than they ever have been. So it hasn't been easy. So I'm cutting some people a little bit of a slack, but in general, I want them to be out there rating at least 10 courses per season. Yeah, that's, uh, it's not that many when you really think of it, but I, sorry, as you were saying that I kind of had like Cumber Valley in my mind, right. And, you know, obviously one of the top courses in Canada, but it's out in Newfoundland, a tough place to travel. Right. So depending on how many rankers you have out there. Um, but I, I kind of like how, you know, you got to play 10 and everybody's going to have a difference of opinion on things. Right. Like I mentioned, I've, you know, a friend of mine, Anthony Spagnoli is, uh, is, um, on the panel and, and he was saying that, uh, you know, he likes a lot of courses for this reason and I might like them for a different reason, but, uh, you know, he has the kind of criteria that you guys follow. Um, he's been able to play the top 100, which is pretty amazing. Like to be able to do that is yeah. uh, play 100 yeah. of those courses. And I know Luke Steeden has as well, a friend of mine, uh, at West, um, AJ, he runs pioneer golf company, um, is a good friend with him. They play quite a bit. And I think there was, was there one other that has done the top 100? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I know there was a guy on my panel who I think he also, I think like Anthony, he needed Humber Valley to finish. Okay. I think he might have needed the Algonquin too, but he had planned a trip in, he was all set because I remember him sending me a note and says, I'm going to, I'm going to do it this year in like February of 2020. And then obviously all the travel restrictions came into place with COVID. So he didn't get out there and I'm not sh- entirely sure if he finished it or, or not. Um, there may have been one other, one or two other people who have finished a list over the years. Um, I mean, it's, it's always changing, right? It's fluid. Right. So who knows this, this list might come out and some of those guys might, realize that they have one more course to knock off for the 2022 list. I'm not sure. I guess that's true. It's kind of like a, you know, but I guess if you get close, it's probably kind of um, like there's a novelty to it, I guess. Right. Too. So yeah. Um, yeah. do you like, do you do anything like with those guys? Like after they finish it, like, do you like write a piece or anything like that? Is there anything that you're able to, uh, you know, to kind of recognize them? I guess I, I know when I was looking back on uh, like pioneers, a head cover company and um I know Luke had had a, a head cover made up, which was pretty cool. Like it was a, to com- mm-hmm. commemorate that. Right. So that's what kind of got me thinking. Like it would be really, I don't know, that'd be something that in the golf, in the golf world, few people would, you know, there's lots of pro golfers who have won many majors and stuff like that, but the, you know, also be able to play top 100 courses in the country you live in is, yeah. uh, it's pretty cool. I should. Yeah. I should, I should, we should do something. I mean, I do know that I wrote a column, I think a couple of years ago that talked about um, some of the guys, I think it was right before COVID that talked about some of the guys who were nearing, um, yeah. nearing the completion of the list. Um, it's funny. I remember having a chat and writing about Kyle Dubas, who's, um, a, a big top 100 guy. He, he loves golf course architecture and he, him and his buddies kind of have a little spreadsheet that they keep and they challenge each other to play the most top 100 courses. And it's kind of an ongoing thing. So that was kind of interesting. You hear all kinds of perspectives from people that, um, see the list, want to play as many, obviously have complaints about the list criticism of the list i mean frankly when the list comes out i look at it sometimes and think oh, i'm not sure why that course is 10 spots ahead of that one but say la vie that's what it is right i mean you get 100 different people 100 different opinions i mean not everybody's going to agree with the ranking and i think that's why i like the way we do it is because it is very democratic where we don't have a tiny small panel of 10 guys who think the exact same you know, we have a hundred different people of different backgrounds of different ability who live in different places. 
and they all put in their scores and then we see um, what democracy spits out. So I like the way we do it. And um, it's obviously a big cross section to have. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely like I'm sure there's a lot of courses like anything, anything really like you would be wanting to be on that list because it's um, you know, I don't want to say it's like sensationalized, but when it comes out, it's like you know everybody's kind of checking it out. They want to go play, and like I said, that's kind of yeah. how you navigate where you want to play a, a few of the rounds. And I still have probably 80 to go, so I'm uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not approaching the uh, the top 100 anytime soon. And like you said, it keeps revolving and or evolving yeah. too, right? So um, that it's just yeah, it's just kind of a cool thing. I wanted to touch on it, kind of give our viewers or our listeners an idea of how that comes out because there is got there has got to be so much work that goes into it so um yeah. appreciate you your team all the panelists all the work that they do and uh yeah it's it's pretty cool it's definitely uh something i look forward to um when can we expect it to come out for this season jason uh it'll i don't have an exact date of when i mean i think the last couple of years what we've been doing is we've been counting down the top 100 in groups of 10 i think we'll do that again because it's proven to be very popular yeah and that started in like july i mean basically i need to although it's um you know, it's an evergreen thing and, and that, you know, people are always rating courses and I'm always collecting data for it. I need, I normally put a cutoff point uh, around middle of June and say, look, okay, I'm collecting the data on this day. So if you haven't got your scores and get them in um, and, you know, we need some time to put together the magazine, put together the, the social media posts, put together the videos that all go along with it. So I normally... Um, collect the data around the middle of June and then we start to release the rankings in July. So I expect we'll be on the same timetable this year. Love it. Okay. So uh, anybody listening, again, if you're on uh, Apple, Spotify, anything like that, when you kind of stop the car, if you're in the car listening, or if you're over on YouTube, scroll below. I'm going to link the Instagram handles below um, and the website. So if you're kind of fascinated with the list like I am, go below, uh, click the link, follow along, and then you can kind of check it out for yourself, which is pretty cool. Um, finally, though, we got the... Uh, we got the Canadian Open back. Can we can we touch on the Canadian Open a little bit? What uh, what you guys kind of have let's on deck so. for that? Yeah, let's hope so. Yeah, but I mean, uh, it sounds like I, it's a go. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I mean, I, I think it's I mean, I'm ninety nine percent sure that it's going to be a go. I mean, but we just this is such a volatile world right now. Right. We who knows what we're going to be dealing with come June, but um, we'll definitely have. Um, a lot of preview stuff in the second issue of the year. We'll definitely be on site. It's literally a five minute bike ride from my house, St. George's. So I've been sitting here waiting for this tournament to play because I can't wait to just walk home or bike home and don't have to drive anywhere. I don't have to fly anywhere. I don't have to stay in a hotel. It's going to be wonderful. Um, uh, you know, I think it's kind of wait and see, we'll see what the field is like. Um, there's so many unknowns, um, you know, the PGA tour guys, um, they can be fussy. Um, if they have to come up and do anything that they don't have to do on a weekly basis for safety reasons, precautionary, whatever it is, I could see some of them saying, yeah, I don't want to go through that. I hope that's not the case. I hope the fact that it is a national open in the week before the U S open, um, it's great preparation. Um, you know, it's right in the heart of the FedEx cup point season, which I think was such a great move for the open to move dates after being stuck in that July date for so long. Um, you know, that, that July now is kind of like the dog days of the PJ tour season before the playoffs come around. But now right. that the fact that they're in early June, it just feels like it's at a much better part of the season, um, right before the U S open, like I said, and I mean, I sure hope that it's got a great field. Obviously the Canadians contingent is very strong. Obviously there's a lot of RBC sponsored players. Rory McIlroy is a defending champion. I sure hope we see him come back. 
Um, and really that's probably all you need anyways, is Rory McIlroy and some of those RBC guys and the Canadians. <laughs> but, uh, I hope so. I think it's going to be great, man. St. George's is obviously a great course. It's just an historic course. Um, you know, Canadian open warrants being at a course like that, like it did at Hamilton. Um, so we'll see. I just crossing my fingers that obviously um, both the men's and women's opens are played this year because two straight years of cancellations, man, that's just, it's just awful. Yeah. It's uh it's something and we're desperate for it, right? Like golfers up here north of the border, we're absolutely desperate for it. Like I know our uh, partner on the podcast, Bryce, he wasn't able to to join in with us, but he's, uh, he's from the area. He's from Whitby and he lives down in Michigan. Now he played hockey down there and stayed down there. So, um, same thing, like he's hoping to come up for it and, uh, check it out. Um, just a couple, well, about a week ago here on the podcast, we had a, uh, um, Callum Davidson, who was a PGA tour Canada, uh, player of the year. So he, um, he qualified or got an entry into it, um, uh, sponsors exemption, I guess it would be into the event, which was, uh, really cool kind of talking to him and, you know, hearing about when he found that out and he's looking forward to it, but it's such a fluid time, right? I would just hate to see that kind of, you know, I don't want to say just get taken away from him, but get taken away from all Canadian golfers, right? For another year. Yeah. Cause we've, uh, I don't know. We, well, we and the fact there. that, I mean, on the men's side in particular, we had so much momentum coming out of 2019, you know, it was the first year of the new date. I mean, it just, right. there wasn't anything that went wrong that year, right? I mean, you had the marquee attraction, Roy McIlroy winning. You had absolutely perfect weather. You had, I mean, Hamilton showed up nice and ironically, the course has been, that was ripped apart directly after that Canadian Open and, it, and it's going to, you know, it's reopened now. So, you know, I've been lucky enough to walk around it and see the changes. I mean, the changes are amazing. It's just, it's going to be a much better course and a much tougher test, I think, particularly on the back nine there. Um, you know, it's just, that was such an uh, incredible Canadian open. The concert series went off so well, the attendance the beer sales. I mean, everything was just amazing about that tournament. And unfortunately we're now, you know, you know, three years later looking to carry that momentum. So, um, you know, I think golf Canada RBC will do a great job celebrating its return. And, you know, hopefully if there are no um, limitations on the field, it, it'll be just like 2019 was. I hope so. Cause I was actually looking it up um, the other day and just that final kind of scene with everybody just like laced behind the 18th green there with the yeah. clubhouse in the background that like gets, I've been to Hamilton golf and country club. Uh, luckily I, I was able to go there for a pro-am like years ago, walked around with John Mills it was really cool. And um, that clubhouse is beautiful. Right. So to kind of see it sort of, you know, set up with all those people around is yeah. something I hope we can see again this summer. And we had the Raptors too in the NBA yeah. finals at the time. So, I mean, everybody was out there cheering on the Raptors. Yeah. I think Rory, Rory had the jersey, had on. Jersey. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that just, now. That was cool. It, it was just absolutely a perfect weekend. Honestly, one the tournament deserved after being stuck with that miserable post British open date for so many years. Right. Um, it was, it was almost like uh, karma that everything went so well after so many down years. So I just hope that that momentum can continue this year. Well, uh, just to kind of switch over and I know, uh, you got a couple things going on here, Jason, so I won't keep you too much longer, but, uh, can we ask you maybe, um, it's hard, it's going to be so impossible for you to, you know, 19 year career with score golf. You're not gonna be able to tell me your favorite piece you've ever written more than likely, but is there anything that kind of stands out? Oh, you can. Okay, great. I love it. Okay. No, I mean, I, you know, I, I wrote that piece, uh, I think it was in 2011 or 12 on Derek Gillespie and, you know, it was the longest piece I wrote. 7,000 plus words. Um, it's the most feedback I ever got of any story. Um, you know, his, his story was such an interesting one because, you know, he really opened up. He talked about, 
some of the reasons why he thinks he didn't make it. He talked about the car accident that nearly took his life. And uh, you know, so many others chimed in. I mean, he was, you know, such a hot prospect when he turned pro and everyone just assumed he was going to get to the PJ tour. And it just really shows how difficult golf is. Um, nobody hands you anything. They don't just give you a PJ tour card because you're a prospect. You've got to get your way there. Um, sometimes it's about good play. Sometimes it comes down to luck. He never had a lot of it. Um, you know, and there was a lot of things that were said about him kind of hush hush and stories that went around and he sat and talked about all of it. So it, that was a really memorable piece to write. Um, you know, those kind of long form player profiles have always been my favorite pieces to write, to try and really understand a player, tell the reader whom he or she is in great detail. And, um, you know, I've done several of those, you know, writing a piece on Elena Sharp where she talked about her sexuality in public for the first time was a great piece. I, you know, I look at that very fondly or pieces I've done on Graham Gillette or Brad Fritch and these other players where they really open up to you. Those are my favorite pieces to write, but I mean, that Gillespie one, I mean, it was 7,000 words and um, nine pages in the magazine or whatever it was. It was, uh, we were really proud of that at score golf. That's awesome. That's a, it gives like, you know, myself, I've been lucky enough to speak with, you know, a bunch of PGA Tour Canada pros and uh, Scott Pritchard a few weeks ago, he gave us a good idea of kind of like what the grind that, you know, what the grind is like that a lot of these players go through. Right. And we've really yeah. enjoyed that aspect of being able to connect with people as they're kind of coming up, um, you know, past guests like Jake McNulty, you know, Ziggy Nathu, Lucas Noni, Mac Boucher, um, Callum Davison just recently, like some of these guys, um, you know, that are kind of grinding and, and going through the tour and what they're going through. One of those guys lives in a van. The other guy lives in Dubai right now. And the mm -hmm. other guy's playing right now, as we talk, trying to qualify for the waste management this weekend. So, mm -hmm. um, this will be out after that point, but it's, uh, it's kind of cool to hear all the different things that they go through and, uh, kind of growing up and, and just falling in love with the game like so many of us have right so i really appreciate uh, yeah. the work you've been doing it for so many years now jason and uh <laughs> you're making me sound so old no you're just it's just <laughs> i i like i said i've tried to write a couple things and it is extremely hard to write at that level that's why i kind of uh say it's a it's a skill that's hard to acquire or hard to develop so it's uh it's cool that you were able to uh to give that to you know myself um like i said i've been watching the you know score golf channel for for years now and so many other people so i really appreciate all the work you do and uh yeah if we uh if we do get that canadian open i'll come up i'll introduce myself and we'll uh yeah you know, we'll have to chat for sure and, uh, yeah talk about our, our our oshawa times a little bit but uh yeah before i let yeah. you go can you uh can you share the website any social media ways that we can uh you know yeah scoregolf.com yeah yeah, scoregolf.com. I mean, our, our Instagram and Twitter are the same, just at scoregolf. So um, just redesigned our website, um, just working out a few kinks. But, you know, uh, we got a lot of really cool stuff planned for this year. Um, a lot of ex a lot of stories that I'm excited about to tell over the course of the year. Um, some fun travel coming up, um, you know, first time back on a plane in like two years coming up soon. So I'm excited about that. Um, so it, it'll be a good year. And um top 100 year obviously so um that's going to be really exciting and i look forward to putting that list together and getting it out and then hearing all the complaints about it as always but uh that kind of goes with the territory so i'm used to it by now hey yeah it's just kind of one of those things right it's funny that you say the plane like next uh thursday i think i get on my first one in a couple of years too we got a five-month-old son so we're taking him out west and i'm gonna get to play nice uh, 
both both Bear Mountain, uh, Highland Pacific, hopefully a couple other courses out that way too. So um, never played out west, which would be really, really great. So I will, uh, yeah, I'll have to uh, kind of check out and see how some of those rank. But thank you so much, Jason. Really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, this was great. And again, uh, I, anybody who's kind of listening to us right now, scroll down below. I'll link the socials, the website, and uh, you can go right over. Give them a click, a follow, and uh, yeah, you'll be ready when the list comes out. Thanks so much. Hey, man. Thanks for your kind words and thanks for having me on. Is out in my ball and of course where I tee up I lose a ball and I re-up I miss the fairway, I probably end up in the ocean Or maybe the beach And I'm on a par 5 and I'm finna go reach it Second was blind, I ain't see it Feel like it might be an average I was working scenario, birdie or eagle I swing on the daily, I swing on the daily 